I regret to inform you that this week I have discovered an alarming connection between the topic of forgiveness and um, having a bowel movement. Hey everyone, it's uh, Father Ryan. It's Love Speaks for Monday, September 18th, 2023. Uh, This is the 24th week in ordinary time. We have 10 weeks left uh, before the start of Advent, so we have that kind of going on. Um, I'm sitting here at the uh, little place of Rooney in Washington, and uh, (laughs) I've got my Sparrow coffee cup. Um, So if you haven't been to Sparrow and you live in Naperville, I'm not sure like what you're waiting for necessarily, um, but also make sure you go there and support them because they're a great small business. And uh, the manager of this, the Naperville Sparrow, there's only one Sparrow, uh, but the manager there is a lovely Catholic lady who prays for priests, she told me. So that's a wonderful w- reason to go there. Um, also, their coffee is amazing. And uh, you won't regret a trip to Sparrow in Naperville. That's not a paid advertisement, but maybe it could be one day. Um, I want to say thank you to those who have reached out to me, um, not just with further comments about Jonathan Swift. You guys really do not like Jonathan Swift. And that's what I've learned. And I'm grateful for your honesty there, because I have to admit that uh, I I don't really like Jonathan Swift either. So um, I guess that's the story there. Um, Some will be upset to hear me say that, no doubt. Um, I also want to just acknowledge the fact that I am using a rinky-dink Logitech headset thing to record this because I left my nice podcast microphones in Naperville. But I will be going back to Naperville soon enough uh, for a monthly visit, and I will pick up my microphone, and hopefully that will solve some of the wonky audio issues. So thanks to my friend Tyler uh, for his email today. Um, Some others have reached out as well, wondering if there is some kind of wild animal who I've hired to be my audio engineer or something. But alas, um, no, it's just me. I'm the wild animal in the studio and uh, we're making it work, I guess, because I didn't want to rebuy the same thing that I've already bought. So that's that. Um, a lot of you have seen on Instagram and perhaps in the newsletter that last few weeks I've been doing some watercolor painting, um, something that I've always wanted to try. And I have, I, I'm surprised, actually, that it's not a complete failure. Um, so keep your eye out for that on Instagram um, if you are interested uh, in, I don't know how I would ever get you a print, but some have asked for that. So anyway, that might be something that's on the horizon, too. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some kind of progeny or whatever prodigy progeny is something else prodigy with it but it's very enjoyable to do and i'd love to find a way to share it with you so uh that's also perhaps coming up last week we talked about a very difficult um conversation a very difficult topic um which would of course cover like everyone's life and so much of the gospel um, we can kind of find a way to compartmentalize. Um, you know, I think a lot of us go through through hills and valleys in terms of the spiritual life. And um, especially when it comes to 
certain topics, it can feel like, oh, that's about someone else. That one's not about me right now. Maybe it will be, I'll pay attention, or maybe I've been through this and I'm not really going through it right now. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, um, that's always an area that I, I really want to be particularly sensitive to because everyone is engaging in interpersonal relationships all the time. Um, and if you're not, and I know not everyone has a really healthy group of people around them or a really supportive group of people around them. That doesn't mean that you're not still in relationship with them. And um, I would always talk about this in moral theology when I teach it, that moral theology finds its practicality within the realm of our relationships. So, um, the 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 arena i guess of morality is found in our relationships with each other we know from scripture from the very beginning of of um the scriptural accounts of revelation that it's not good for us to be alone and so god creates a companion and a helpmate um to adam and that's of course eve and uh, the biblical vision is always blamed for kind of propagating a really negative view of the relationship, especially between men and women. But if you look at the way that it was designed by God at the beginning before sin, um, it was designed to be something that was completely complementary, something that was, again, I mean, the the scriptures use that language, a companion, a helpmate, um, someone to be with Adam in the garden. And he looks at Eve and he says, this one at last, right, as opposed to all these other animals and plants and things, this one, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and I can be in a relationship with her in a way that I can't be with anyone else. And from then on, um, you know, they're called to live in harmony in the garden, and of course the rest is history, and that would be a different podcast, I suppose. But um, relationships are inescapable. There are people who have been so badly hurt by relationships in their life, whether they're um, relationships of intimacy, uh, romantic intimacy, whether they're relationships um, from parents to children or vice versa, whether it's siblings. I meet so many people, by the way, either in the confessional or in parish ministry who are fighting with their siblings. Stop doing that. (laughs) And it always seems like it has to do with one of the parents being sick or dying that starts to drive families apart and that people end up not talking to their siblings for like years and years. That's not God's will. And that's, that's, you know, deal with that before it's too late. Just as a kind of a tangent, I, I, I once heard uh, from someone who was kind of talking to me about this deep regret that they felt because there was someone in their life, I think it was a friend of theirs, was a very, very close, very, very dear friend. And there was a kind of terrible misunderstanding or a fight or something, and they never they went years and years without speaking. And finally, uh, they had worked up the courage. I'm going to call them. I'm going to ask for their forgiveness. I'm going to reach out to them. I want to restore the relationship. And so many years had gone by that when they went to reach out to them, they discovered that their friend had died and that there is no possibility now of reconciliation. And and this person was just really beside themselves about it. um, That there's it's it's literally too late 
uh, to, to mend that fence, so to speak. And that's a very difficult thing to realize, especially when you know that you were holding on to something quite needlessly or that a lot of your own suffering was coming from holding on to something that you didn't have to hold on to. So last week we talked about this topic of fraternal correction. And um, yeah, I got, I got, I get a little emotional about the topic. Um, it, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's a very common part of the life of the church um, in seminaries and religious orders. That's a very common practice, um, pulling people aside and kind of being honest with them, right? You, you hurt me in some way, or I noticed that you are, um, you know, off the, off the path, so to speak. And, and in charity, I want to kind of bring this to your attention. A lot of people's concerns or issues with Christianity come from the fact that fraternal correction is often misused. And it doesn't come from a place of charity. It comes from a place either of blame or judgment um, when the other person clearly has not addressed the plank coming out of their own eye and they seem to be obsessing over a speck in the eye of their brother. So that's something that we want to just acknowledge as well. But we move on this week, um, further on in Matthew's Gospel, same chapter 18, but the the back half of it now, um, to this kind of teaching on forgiveness. So let's just jump right into the Gospel and uh, get going. So this is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all of his property, in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, They were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. That's the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and through the words of the Holy Gospel, may our sins be wiped away. So we know from the Sermon on the Mount and the teaching of the Our Father that Jesus takes forgiveness extremely seriously. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That forgiveness is in the Christian worldview, is not something that's optional. 
It's something that's really difficult, but it is not something that is optional. But the topic of forgiveness often causes consternation because a lot of people were taught to think that forgiveness equals um, a re- like a resuming of the relationship where it was when it got complicated. So I have a, a best friend. The best friend does something against me that really hurts me. Maybe they betrayed me or they uh, told a secret or they whatever. They, they forged a business deal and part of the deal with the other person was cutting me out. Um, that's the plot line of the episode of Suits I was watching today. Um, and then we think, oh, so to forgive just means like, all right, I have to find it in myself to say that didn't matter. And we can go right back to where we started. Um, that's simply not true. And that's would actually probably be unhealthy in a lot of cases. So what is forgiveness then if it's not a sort of erasure of the whole event? We often hear that phrase, forgive and forget. We should forgive and forget. Well, it depends on the relationship, of course. A, ch- a parent to a child would probably do well to forgive and forget. I would say that one of my um, goals as head of school last year was in discipline, we're going to forgive. And for the most part, we're going to forget. Because you don't want to find yourself in a position where you've restored a relationship and yet you're holding it over the other person consciously or subconsciously. And you don't want to find yourself where you're in a relationship where you actually are living in a kind of distorted vision of the person. Out loud, I'm saying, yeah, it's fine. It's all good. But deep down, I'm still harboring a lot of this difficulty. Because actually, that's not forgiveness. And that's um, a point that Jesus makes in the gospel today. he takes forgiveness very seriously because he understands that that kind of distorted living that on the outside we're hanging out, we're fine. And on the inside, I'm holding so many things against you, or I'm having a lot of unspoken words or feelings toward you, that that's not really going to be resulting in true communion. And just like the garden at the very beginning, that's what God wants. God wants forgiveness to lead to a restoration of full union, communion, um, as it existed in the very beginning. And so that's why last week we used that word rapprochement uh, to reconcile, right? But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very difficult. It's bringing two parties together, a reapproaching of two parties, coming close again after a period of separation or difficulty to live in harmony. And the truth of the matter, of course, is that in this life, some situations are so difficult or complicated or convoluted or unhealthy that it you want to forgive, but you don't want to forget in the sense that you don't want to uh, go back to the way that it used to be if the way that it used to be is something that is quite unhealthy or unmanageable or difficult. And there are some relationships in every person's life, mine, yours, everybody's life that are not healthy. And that really should not be pursued. But again, given what a lot of us were taught about forgiveness, does that mean we can't really live a life of forgiveness if it means I can't go back to being in union with this person? And the answer there, of course, is no. But the difficulty about Christian forgiveness is that it's not just, oh, I forgive you, sorry, sorry, forgive you, forgive you, kiss and make up and move on. Um, No, Jesus says, unless each of you forgives your brother from your 
heart. Forgives your brother from your heart, from this kind of interior place. And the thing I want to just present to you today is that the real work of forgiveness is that interior work, and that the outside doesn't necessarily have to look one way or another for forgiveness to be true and for forgiveness to actually be effective. Why? Because, again, I think sometimes we think that forgiveness is about the other person. But what I want to propose today is that forgiveness actually, in interpersonal conflict, is about us. It's about us. Now, if you're going to forgive alone, justice requires that you pay back what you owe. <laughs> we see that in the gospel, right? So it's not to say that the other person has nothing that they might owe you or you might owe them. But when it comes especially to really difficult relationships, hurt within relationships, division within relationships, forgiveness coming to a place where you can forgive is ultimately about you and your own future forward movement and um health, I guess, your psychological health, your spiritual health, and your ability actually to participate in healthy relationships with other people going forward. All right, so let's look at some words here. Um, I just hit my microphone. Did it mute? No. Ha, good. Nah. See, this thing. Uh, um, <laughs> sorry. Look at some words. Um, Matthew 18, 26. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. The Greek word there, makrothumeo, makrothumeo, I don't know. I don't know how to spell it. Look it up on GreekBible.com. Um, Be patient with me is more than our sense of patience. Be patient with me, I'll be right out. Are you ready to leave? I'll be right down. Be patient. Don't be mad. I can remember um, Sunday mornings. We would go to the 11 o'clock mass at St. Anne's in Oswego, and it would be like 1042. And me and my dad and my brother, we would be downstairs watching uh, the end of Ebert and Roper, and then this week with George Stephanopoulos would come on, and uh, it was, we could hear our mom coming down the stairs, and she would say, TV off, shoes on, in the car, what are we waiting for? And we would always say, just wait, just be patient, you know. But of course she was right. However, um, we're not talking about that kind of patient we're talking about a deeper spirit of patience. So this Greek word here, be patient with me, is basically saying, can you be of a longer spirit with me? Can you long suffer with me? I will get back for you what you want me to get back for you, but I need you just to suffer my ineptitude or my lack a little bit longer. So it's not just a temporal kind of patience or a logistical patience. This is a spirit of interpersonal patience. Be patient with what I am able to offer you now. Um, another way, a definition of that is be slow in avenging. So don't move to the punishment yet because I, I will pay you back in full. I will pay you back in full. So this, so that moves the master with compassion. <laughs> uh, yes, I regret to inform you that there is a disturbing connection, perhaps, between this kind of forgiveness and having a bowel movement. And what would that be? So, moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go 
and forgave him the loan. Moved with compassion. Um, Have you had a bowel movement today? (laughs) That's the question that I want to ask uh, of you. It's a kind of strange question, obviously, but you, we remember that in that, especially, okay, always remember that Jesus did not live in 2023, okay? He's alive now, yes, I know that. But he's not speaking in a way that would have been familiar to people living in 2023. He's speaking in a way that's profoundly connected um, with the ancient worldview. And so when he uses imagery, when he does things, um, that require kind of idioms or language or imagery that he's he's using things that adhere to an ancient worldview. And this is why, as I've said a hundred times, get yourself a Bible commentary, get yourself some kind of resource like Greekbible.com or um, entomology, entomonline.com, a really good Bible concordance with good commentary, because you want to be able to understand the language that the scriptural writers are using, the images that Jesus is using, the, the things that Paul is saying, especially in the Old Testament where so much feels unfamiliar to us. This is a way that you will be able to enter more fully into the scriptures and into the life um, of the church and of the readings especially. Okay, so in the ancient world, um, it was thought that the bowels were sort of like the seat of really heavy emotions, like love, like hatred, and other things like pity. So the bowels are the movement that, that that's the place where compassion resides. And you know this already from your own experience of feeling true compassion for someone or pity for someone. You feel this kind of just intense physical movement in the depth of your um, heart, we would say. But it's it, it, oftentimes that physical movement, if you, if you do biofeedback, you can sense it in your tummy or in the area of your stomach of your bowels coming from deep within you you feel this movement toward pity a movement toward um i want to be with you that's where empathy is coming from that's where sympathy is coming from and so that's the depth that this this king this master is moved with compassion for the plight of his servant the, the servant says be long suffering with me be slow in avenging me and and this witness is so captivating for the master that he's moved from the very depths of who he is so that that word there moved um, the definition in greek is to be moved as to one's bowels hence to be moved with compassion or have compassion to be moved as to one's bowels that's uh awesome all right so this is kind of graphic i suppose but think of the relief that you feel when you've had a really satisfactory bowel movement. <laughs> I'm really sorry, everyone. But this is, this is, anyway, I love the ancient world because they're much more earthy than we are. They don't think that that's disturbing. Um, think of how you feel after you've had a really good, and not like a really cleansing one, so to speak, after maybe having Ben's Chili Bowl here in Washington, D.C. will do for you. I don't mean that. But I mean just a healthy kind of maybe morning, like, ooh, that feels so much better. I feel lighter. I feel um, less bogged down. Um, 
I feel somehow more alive and more human. I don't know. That's what this is. You're having a movement in the deepest part of who you are with compassion for someone in their plight as they have presented their plight to you. Okay, so now consider the other side of that. So the man has his debt forgiven, the servant, and then he goes and finds another servant who owes him like a really, really small amount. He seizes the other servant and he chokes him and demands pay back what you owe. So you have a movement unto the bowels with compassion, and then you have choking, this kind of constriction. You have an, a, the sense of opening up, receptivity, um, freeing, loosening a bond, and then you have the opposite of that, censure, constriction, um, discomfort, uh, not life, not humanity, but death. And the word that Matthew uses there in the Greek is the same word or the same idea, at least, as the, the, um, the word in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, that sometimes weed fall, or the seed will fall onto that shallow ground and the weeds will come up and choke uh, what has begun to sprout. So the word choke there is a kind of reference back to Matthew 13 and the parable of the sower. That the sower, the king, sowed the seed of compassion. He sowed the seed of pity and it fell onto the soil of the servant and the servant, he was not good soil. And so weeds grew up and it choked that and he wasn't able to receive or to move forward as a truly changed person. And so he's going to have to do some difficult work, right? Um, he gets handed over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So um, yeah, the word that's used there in Matthew 28 for choke um, is literally the same word used for thorns crowding out seed in a field and hindering growth. So forgiveness fosters freedom and lack of forgiveness or choosing to hang on to these kind of bonds within relationships, it fosters a really, really difficult um, kind of constriction, discomfort, and it's really a lack of humanity. And Jesus says that I've come to give you abundant life, and, and to have that life now, even on this earth, is something that is totally available to us, but we don't always see it, and we don't always run toward it in the ways that maybe we should. So let me just propose this to you. What is forgiveness? So if it's not an out, if it's not necessarily an exterior kind of uh, reunion of every relationship in our life that's gone astray, if it's not necessarily forgetting the hurts that have been caused to us, if it's not necessarily a complete restoration of the best friendship that used to exist, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is looking from, again, the depth of your bowels, it's looking at a situation and saying, this difficult thing really did happen to me. This difficult thing really did happen to me. This betrayal, this difficult word, this sense of loss, maybe, um, this really did happen to me. So those stages of grief where you, we deny it or we get angry or we bargain our way around it, we become depressed over it, eventually we arrive at that place of acceptance. And um, acceptance doesn't mean, all right, 
now I like this difficult thing. <laughs> now I approve of this difficult thing. Now I see the point of this difficult thing. No, you simply say, this difficult thing was real and it happened to me. And you have to take ownership of all of that. Uh, the writer Anne Lamott, she says that uh, everything that happens to you is yours and you get to talk about it. And I love that a line of hers. And she also says, she's the one who says that forgiveness has to begin at home, uh, at your kitchen table. So she says, so at least you can do this work in comfortable pants, which I think is hilarious. So forgiveness is something that begins at home in the sense that it, it, it doesn't just involve all these exterior people and things that the people who are close to us, those are the people that we want to really maintain those relationships with. But regardless of where, when, and how it happened, maybe it was something at work, maybe it was something at school, maybe it was something um, at the grocery store, I don't know. But you want to be able to say, this was a difficult thing. Well, you want to say, this was a thing, <laughs> first of all. Then say, this was a difficult thing. And the difficult thing is real, and it happened to me. And then you want to arrive at a place where you can say, in, in true sincerity, this thing was real, it was a difficult thing, it happened to me, and it no longer has the power to control me. It no longer has the power to have, uh, to take my peace away from me. It no longer has the, the permission to captivate my whole mind all the time, every day. It doesn't have the power anymore to dictate how I respond or how I act. I begin to understand that not every relationship is going to be this relationship. I understand that not every movement toward intimacy is going to end in this disaster. I understand that I can still trust people because not everybody is out to get me or not everybody uh, has done this to me. One person has done this to me or one thing has happened to me in the midst of many other beautiful things. So you, you say, I, I forgive you, not because... I think what happened to me is awesome, or I approve of it, or I'm glad that it happened, but I forgive this person because I am taking control back from them, uh, from the peace that they have taken from me, from the difficult thing that they have caused me. I am taking it back now, um, and that doesn't have the power to, yeah, rule my life because there's so much more to life and so much more to me than what this person has said or done or not said or not done. So forgiveness is a thing that comes from the heart. And that line, unless each of you forgives your brother, period. Well, that would be easy. But then Jesus does add, from your heart. <laughs> well, that means that you have to have some connection with your heart to be able to understand how what happened to you is affecting the deepest places within you. And to understand that the Lord is not asking you to suffer that for the rest of your life in the name of being best friends with everyone in your life. No, you can be free from these things that cause you great difficulty and consternation and pain and all of that. Um, you don't have to suffer these things in this way. But the difficult thing is not always, oh, now I see the person as nice again, or I see the person as palatable again. Nope. The difficult part and the thing that 
that sin against us actually causes is we have to do something which is more difficult, which is to say, I see myself as lovable again. I see myself as worthwhile to others again. I see myself as someone who others want to invest in without ulterior motives again. And the first step of that is looking at the other person, or at least arriving at this place in your heart, where you can say, what you did, what you said, what you didn't do, what you didn't say, it no longer has power to control me. It no longer has permission to take away my inner peace. It no longer has the power to cause me great difficulty and consternation in the deepest places of my life. But rather, <laughs> like a good bowel movement, something has turned in me, something has changed in me, and that this place of choking, this place of constriction and discomfort, I am allowing the grace of the Lord in there to turn it, to move it, that all this waste could be expelled and I could really begin to live a more fulfilled um, and a wholehearted life. And that's what forgiveness allows. So anyway, you know, that's a really strange image, but hey, thanks to the scriptures for that word. Moved unto one's bowels. I love it. Um, anyway, I hope to hear from you all this week sometime. Keep an eye on the newsletter and on Instagram as always, especially if you're interested in this watercolor stuff. And um, please continue to pray for me. I'm really having um, a very blessed semester here in Washington and know of my continued um, prayers for all of you. I wish you all the best. Have a good week. Bye-bye.